Nobody's going to do this for you. This is on you. Your parents can't do it. Your teachers can't do it. You're, 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 nobody can do it for you. You have to be the one. It is you. You have to be the one that takes the risks. It has to be your skin in the game, not someone else's. It's the only way you get this access. You got to have your skin in the game. That means scuffing your knees and your elbows. And that means you getting the bumps and bruises. It's you and you got to be in the arena. And unless you're in the arena, unless you're willing to enter the arena of life, this unknown, this daring, creative, challenging place, you just don't have access to that. It's just not for you. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Ho, 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 everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Santa Claus has come to town <laughs> early. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that is. I feel like my, my intros to these, Brandon, are just getting like worse and worse. Hey, better and better. I like them. Better. All right. Well, you know what? As long as you like them, Brandon, you're you're really the only one I'm, person who I'm trying to please outside of myself. <laughs> Good. Uh, welcome, everybody, uh, to the show. We've got an episode uh, today that, uh, like many things, seems like this is something we have danced around a lot in other conversations. We've touched upon this in little ways, and uh, it struck us as being time to perhaps look at this a little bit more directly, a little bit more specifically. Uh, so this one, the unavoidable leap of faith. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a number of ways we're going to go with this one. I think we might need to, to, in some ways, uh, restore and rehabilitate this, this word faith, because that can have a lot of really, you know, be tied up in a lot of baggage for people. Um, but it is a word that, uh, you know, for me in, in terms of my, my own life in, in the arts, um, particularly within acting, uh, the word faith has come up quite specifically and quite directly and, and has a lot of implications. Um, and, and why this idea of faith, um, and I'm, maybe we'll have to try and provide a definition of this, but like, you know, why this is something that is essential why this thing is essential, why, as we've said, it's unavoidable on on um, on a pretty big level. So, Brandon, what do you got? No risk, no reward. You know, I think it comes back to that. It's one of those things. You got to take a risk. At some point, you have to put yourself out there. You got to, you got to try, you know, you got to give it a chance. And, you know, there's, there's just no way around it. If you really want things in your life that are beyond common, if you want things that are, I don't know, even if they're just experiences, if you want the most valuable stuff, there's a risk involved and there's learning in risk. And I think that, well, Evan, let me just start by saying the fucking school system doesn't teach you how to take risks. 
It doesn't encourage it. In fact, it only really encourages people to take risks if you maybe get to a certain level with it. And the whole reward system of it is all screwy anyway. And it, it is kind of a parable to our regular life, you know, where it's like certain people are allowed to take risks and other people most are not. Most people need to play it safe. They need to follow the rules. They need to do this. And if you look at, say, the entrepreneurial path, it's all about risk. It's all about take a chance, try it out here, try over there. You know, artist life is like that as well, although a little bit different. It has a lot of similarities to the entrepreneurial path. So I think it's one of those things. It's like all your dreams hide behind fear. So you got to face fear and fear facing it is a risk, you know, and the other side of that is unknown, you know, because fear literally is a, is a, is a wall. And it's until you faced it, you don't see what's behind it. And once you face it, in my experience, you, you'll probably find, I've always found that what I was scared of was not as scary as I thought it was. Yeah. So there's, there is this necessity to risk looking at it and sometimes it's scarier than you think but i always find fear you grow up to it you you become you're bigger than it you just don't know that yet yeah and i think for me as well some a lot of my experiences have been like oh the fear was made up yeah you know i've made real yeah yeah, it's like that monster under the bed that isn't there yeah 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 it's like oh god i can't do that because if i do that it's just like that's not even true you know, it's like it's a story. You know, that's one of our laws, right? The law of story. And this is one of the, the impacts of that. You can tell a story that, you know, is fearful and there's an absolutely nothing that's necessarily true about it. Um, so, yeah, let's dive uh, a little further into this into this conversation. But I'm glad you brought up the, the, the aspect of fear because I think that that has such a, that, that plays such a big part in this thing of, of, this sort of leap of faith that we're we're talking about because like why don't we take a these leaps of faith um if they are so important if they are so essential um and listen i I, i'm gonna throw something out there but look you don't have to you don't have to take leaps of faith in your life you can avoid them at all costs but there is a cost to not doing that there is a cost and we're, you know, uh, here on way of the artist, we're all about artistry and, and inherently for me built into artistry means that your artistry is something that is transcendent, true, true artistry. And so if that's what you're trying to bring to your life, you know, to your craft, to whatever it is, then this is of extreme importance to you. You have to take these leaps because if you don't take these leaps, then you're always going to be keeping yourself in a safe, little, controlled bubble and nothing spontaneous and, and, and unknown and creative is going to happen. So there, that's part of the, the, the price of artistry is that it requires that leap. It, it's, as we've said, it's unavoidable. You have to do it. You absolutely have to do it. And, and so 
it doesn't mean that there's not um there's not craft involved you know what i mean it doesn't mean that there's not a certain level of planning and 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 preparation perhaps is maybe a better word there's not a, a an element of preparation that goes into uh anything that you put yourself into but that there's always going to be this this essential element of that leap of faith and that without that leap of faith you're constantly you you will always be limited in in what you can create I have so many thoughts floating around. I don't even know where to, <laughs> where to go. I, I kind of want to bring in another concept to this, just to throw it into the mix. And maybe it will kind of pepper this conversation a little bit. I like the pepper. idea of masculine and feminine energy. You know, I think a lot of people Ooh, think of okay, masculinity okay. as man and femininity as woman. And it really is not. I mean, it's, it's an energy, you know, and there's a way of approaching things with energy. And I personally have observed that every person has a certain amount of feminine and masculine energy that they let themselves work with. And the ultra masculine is sometimes limited because they get stuck and I'm, it could be man or woman, doesn't matter, doesn't matter who, but you can get stuck in this masculine energy or this feminine energy, and it's like, I exist here. And really, you have access to this whole other form or source of energy that can allow you to, you know, just expand your, your, your availability and your options to be able to deal with whatever you're trying to deal with. And I think that there's a certain amount of, on top of this energy, there's a certain amount of, you know, artistry and functionality that, that works within these feminine and masculine energies. And functionality can be very productive and systematic and planned and all of that. Artistry is a little bit more, you, you kind of need to go a little bit more by your senses, by your feelings, by um, your maybe maybe even urges, if you want to call it that, or, um, you know, what would you call them? Maybe in acting, you'd call them your instincts, right? Where it's not something that you can go, I know this will be a great idea. This will work. Like functionality, sometimes I think it can be a little heady where artistry can be very heartbeat, if you want to call it that, like in the heart. And yeah. you got to find a balance between heart and head, just like you got to find a balance and a, a, a line if you want to call it between masculine and feminine energy, as you work through all this. And I wanted to throw that in because I think that is an important element to consider as we're going through this, because, you know, what is it to like, like people say, well, be a man, but it's like, is man always the most courageous? I think sometimes be a woman is more courageous in certain aspects, whereas in other aspects, be a man is relevant. Yeah, that is a more courageous way to look at it, but sometimes, but we don't have that in our culture. We have these very um, kind of limited views of how we look at energy, right? And we don't even look at energy. We actually look more at people like labels and then we block them into that. And they say, well, you're only allowed to exist within this energy. And then you look at an artist and you might say, well, 
an artist, man or woman or whatever is like, oh, well, you're very feminine. You're very feminine because you're, you're, you're creative and you're an artist. Whereas like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you're feminine. It just means that you have a, an ability to play in an arena of energy that maybe most people are too scared to play it. Right. So it's actually a courageous act, but at the same time, if you're all in this artistry world, sometimes it might be good for you to come back into the functional world, come and come back into maybe the more masculine type of elements of life. Anyway, I feel like this is something that's really important to bring into this because we're talking about taking a leap of faith in a lot of ways and a leap of faith might be leaping into an energy or a, a way of doing life that you're just not used to, that your parents never did, that your friends never did, that they don't mm. do in your school. And it's different. And, but it's, but it's, it's part of you that you've never explored. It's part of uh, uh, what's possible. You know, it's part of what you can express. And that's kind of what I'm interested in in some ways, because I think that there's all this limit in our expression and it's a risk to venture into our further expression of who we are, what we can do, what we can create all of that. So that's kind of what I wanted to throw in. And I don't know if that's a comment on what you said. It's just this, I feel needs to be peppered into this conversation if it can be. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah. that, that it in of itself of what you've just brought in, I thought was a, uh, was a very good contribution. And, uh, and, uh, how about that, Brandon? You're bringing. Usually, I feel like I'm the one who's bringing some of like the more the you know the land of woo into some of these conversations. <laughs> but I visited um, the land of woo this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I I I dig it. I I I appreciate it. And, and I think it's it's you know it can be a very useful way of looking at things. Maybe maybe you know there's a lot of people who don't think and and see things in in those terms. It's it's like, well, like you can, you can look at it maybe more so in, in the, in the sense of like, as you said, like instincts, but like what's interesting, there's a few things that were interesting uh, about what you just said. One is that, uh, you know, these leaps of faith happen in, in a variety of different spaces and, and by spaces, I mean, internal spaces, uh, within, within our lives, they, they, they're not just in one area. You know, sometimes we need to, to make a, a leap of faith in, in something that we're doing with our career. Sometimes we need to make a, a leap of faith in, in a relationship. Sometimes we need to make a leap of faith, um, you know, for some, some type of interpersonal growth. I think that a leap, anytime you take a leap of faith, there's an element of, of personal growth. There's something very personal that is, that is happening there. So that's one thing I wanted to to bring up, and then the other thing I wanted to to mention was just I don't know like maybe something just a little bit more more playful, but uh, in regard to this masculine and feminine, it's funny because you know we think of the arts. It's like when you think of the arts, there is this sense of femininity that that kind of comes with it. We we we're generally um, move to think of it in, in a feminine sense and yet just look at all of the artists who are out there who are the embodiments of masculinity as well like look at at all of like uh lots of different like uh movie stars that have 
come along along the lines like um you know like your i don't know any action star basically right and he's like these are all people who are in they're they're in the arts uh you know look at someone like ernest hemingway you know here was like one of the greatest writers of all time and 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 was a poet and he was this <laughs> he was just this intense masculine figure you know i think of uh you know, like my like my favorite band of all time is Led Zeppelin, and whenever I watch like footage of of those guys playing like live, you know, here they are with like long flowing hair and and all, but like there's just this masculine energy that's so incredible there. Like particularly when you look at a lot of like rock stars. Um, you know, because they're they're people who are in the arts, but like they're they've also been uh, I don't know how to put it, but a lot of people who come from that world, they they're icons. They become icons of masculinity. You know, that that old school idea of like men want to be them and and women want to be with them kind of thing. I know that's really dated people. I know that's a it's an an antiquated idea um, in some respects, but you know what I mean, right? Like it's, it's, it's a, a very complex picture. It's that you were pointing out in terms of, it's not such a simple, it's not a simple black and white thing. There's a balance that's happening there where I would even argue that it's that element of the feminine that has allowed that masculine to actually be so powerful and so forceful in the way that it does emerge and express. 100%. 100%. Have you ever been to a guy's place, like a guy who lives alone or guys who live with guys? It's very functional. It's very practical. Um, sometimes it's very messy. Uh, it's it's. There's not a lot of art usually around. There's not a lot of deck decor, decorations, things like that. Um, not, not because they're men necessarily, but because, um, men are encouraged to be masculine, right? That's, that's something in our culture, right? And I think that's good, actually. I think that's a really good thing, but it doesn't mean that men shouldn't have access to feminine energy and, ex and expand that in themselves. And it doesn't mean that women who are going to be cultured to be more feminine, right? I know I'm being super binary, everybody, but like, just give me a break here. We're just working through something. So look, um, it doesn't mean that if you have a lot of feminine energy or you primarily grew up in that, that you can't expand into your masculine energy. But I find what's fascinating to me about women and women who live alone or even women who live with other women, um, they do all these things that are not always so functional, but they make their, their living space beautiful. Like they'll, they'll, um, and I'm not saying this is always the case. I'm just saying in general, yeah. and also this is experience. So like, whatever, but like, I find they'll, they'll have art pieces, they'll have paintings, they'll have, uh, you know, plants and things like that. Um, I remember one time I went on a trip to the, to uh, New York and I was staying with a few guys at a guy's place. It was his house. And all we had was couch TV. Uh, our beds, a blender, 
and like the basic dishes in the kitchen. There's no art. It was white walls. It was a desk. It was all functional. Everything was functional in that place. And it was just for us to lay our heads, get some work done and then get out in the world. And it didn't matter to anyone that it was like not pretty or beautiful, but I did notice it. And I was like, wow, how fascinating this is. It's like, all we seem to care about is the practicality and functionality of this space. And that's really all it is. And it really had, it, it, it had a lot of guys that had a lot of strong, I would say alpha and sigma uh, masculine energy, you know, where it's like, they're business owners. These people make a lot of money. They get a lot of shit done. They're rock and roll as far as productivity. Um, they're, they're into like personal growth and development and that kind of stuff. They're like movers and shakers, action takers, you know, those kind of people and functionality, everything else just gets in the way. Right. So there's that, which is obviously it's designed for success. It's designed for certain types of goals. It's designed to work in a certain type of world. Now, that can, I think that can be a very kind of boring and almost sterile life. You know, yeah, yeah you have all this money and the success and whatever, but then the, I noticed that each and every one of these men that I was, that I can think of who were on this trip, they all had an appreciation for art and feminine energy and that type of thing, but they didn't necessarily allow themselves as much to have it. So mm. it was like, like you get it from the artists, you get it from the women, you get it from out here. And I just found that kind of interesting. You know, it's like, that's almost like you're half of a person because there's this whole other half that you, you are dependent on getting from an outside source. And I don't think people always realize, Hey, that, that can be, that's in you. You have a part of that in you and you can, you know, you could, um, express that you could take a break from just trying to get ahead and getting success. And you could, you know, explore this. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Cause I feel like I don't want to go too far off topic. I just feel like this is necessary sometimes for us to be able to step outside of our box of thinking our, our limits, right. Um, to just see that, Hey, like maybe sometimes a risk for somebody who's ultra masculine or ultra feminine is to go into the other energy right. Is to go into the other expression and to just see like, like some people I've heard people say, like, I'm not an artist. I don't have any creativity. I mean, it's like, well, work with me for a little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll I'll prove you wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there, and, and I find that a lot of people just have it hidden away. They just never, it was never really allowed to express it. They weren't allowed to express it. It wasn't encouraged. Um, and they actually just told themselves they don't have it. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes having a guide or a teacher helps you do that, but like, you know, sometimes you're not going to have a guide or a teacher and that's where you kind of got to go. Let me just give it a shot. Let me try. Let me see, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and there, there are like, I can't remember. I, I, there's the whole idea of creative wounds, right? Like at some point mm -hmm. in, in someone's life, usually in childhood, you know, someone told you that, you know, what you did wasn't very good or, oh, you're not, you know, that's not really your strong suit or something like that. And and then people have a, have a, have a thing about it and something that maybe they genuinely cared about and we're just, you know, we're new to, and we're learning to, to, to do. And suddenly they just, they don't want to do it anymore. Um, and so coming back to that can be a, a, a leap of faith, right? Coming back to, um, 
a part of you that was genuine and true because sometimes like that that's the tragedy of it because is those things are often parts of you that are what's true about you like it's that creative source of life about you that that you were sort of innately born with and you cut that part of yourself off and you replace it with something that's someone else's expectation that's someone else's image of who you are and who you're supposed to be and uh and it's so important to to look at that stuff and 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 come back to uh come back to those things that that speak to you in a in a deeper way Mm -hmm. so i think we should probably um that i i enjoyed that little journey down into that path but i feel like um you know let's uh let's let's change tack here for for a few moments and and dive uh a little bit more specifically back into this this sort of theme and title that we've got here of the unavoidable leap of faith um i agree yeah i agree yeah and it, it you know so to bring it back i would say it's there at some point it's un, unavoidable you got to take a leap of faith you got to you, you got to put yourself into an arena or a space that isn't necessarily comfortable, that isn't known, that literally there is no way to prepare for. You're only going to learn about it while you're there doing it. And that is the only way it's going to happen. And people try to game the system around this all the time. They try to over-prepare. They say, well, you know, I've, I know plenty of writers who will say like, well, I just got to learn this thing and then I'll write my script. I just got to learn this. Yeah. I just got to learn this thing. And it's like, just write the fucking script already. Like, you know what I mean? Like how much are you going to learn? You know, like, it, like there's yeah. things that you can only learn from trying to put the script together. And, and like, I can tell you that there's maybe very few things I know in the world, <laughs> acting, painting, screenwriting, directing, directing acting at the same time you can only learn this shit by doing it there's no you can watch and try and observe and read everybody's articles and their interviews and all that crap it'll give you some advantages it won't hurt although sometimes it might but you just gotta like you gotta do it you gotta get in the arena and you gotta get bumped and bruised in there and you gotta just learn on the fly to some degree and that's the only way you're gonna be able to do it I heard a quote, I think it was David Fincher or something could be misquoting, but he said something like could be another famous director, but I think it was him, but it said, you don't know directing until you got to get your shot and the sun's going down or something like that. You know what I mean? And that's such a true statement about what it's like to be a film director is like, you don't know what it's like because you have this shot in your mind and you have these things you want to get done and you have this coverage you need. And then the more money, the more people, the more pressure, the, the harder it gets but then the sun's going down and you can't get the shot and you're running out of time and you got a difficult actor and all this shit's going on. You got to learn how to deal with that. That's that like in a perfect world, everything is on time. Everybody is, is got their lines memorized. Everything is just working seamlessly and perfectly. But you know, you start to find out, especially with film that especially independently that there's all these things that are that go wrong and and a lot of it is navigating your creative vision through all these challenges and sometimes compromises you need to make no but you're not going to know it until you're there and you tried it so yeah 
that's the risk, right? That's the leap of faith. Just go do it and do the best you can while you're there. Yeah. And it's, and yeah, that, that demand is always there and you want that demand to be there. Um, you know, as uncomfortable as, as it is, it, it's, I was watching, um, I was watching like, uh, one of those Hollywood reporter, uh, like actors round tables. And this was like from a few years ago. And I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. And like, I, this is an interesting group of like collection of people who are all together. I think they were all like nominated for Oscars or something like that. So you had like Jamie Foxx and Shia LaBeouf and Adam Driver, Robert De Niro, uh, Adam Sandler was in there and Tom Hanks was in there. And Tom Hanks was, was talking about, I think it was like, you know, just how you, you never know, like they were getting into this conversation. They were all talking about how like you, you just, you don't know what something is going to be, uh, when you show up and, and how that's such an essential ingredient, uh, to the whole process. And you have to allow room for that. Uh, but you know, someone like Tom Hanks, who's been doing this for such a long time, I think he was talking about doing Captain Phillips or something. And he was like, and he's like, I remember reading, I was reading the book, you know, uh, and there is this part in the book where, you know, he's in this boat and he's looking through this little porthole or something like that at sunset. And he was just like, and I thought like, oh my God, that's going to be such a, a great shot. You know, like he was seeing it in his mind of like, I'm going to look through the porthole and the shot's going to be here and, and I'll be looking out and whatever. And uh, he says, so the day to, when we were shooting that scene from the book comes up and it's just like some little fucking rowboat <laughs> or something like that. You know, like there's no porthole. There's no like the that shot is not that he envisioned in his mind is not happening. Right. So it's like there's these little things are just this constant reminder you know that it's like like you don't there's so much you don't have control over you know like you show up and and yeah there are what can you control when you show up as an actor you know what like you know your lines inside and out you um god i mean really when it comes down to it <laughs> like that's yeah but like that's really like there's lots of other stuff you can do as an actor you know like you can you can try and you know, understand and, and dig into the mind of your character. And, and there's all of these little things, but all of that still is, is kind of when it comes down to it, you, you have to throw it out. Like nothing drives me crazier than when I see actors who are not really listening in a, in a movie or on, you know, in theater, whatever it is, it's, to me, it stands out like such a sore thumb. I was watching a movie recently that had a lot of really good actors in it, but um, some of the, like, the, there was a few other parts in it where I was just like, oh, I can see you trying to be funny. I can see that you had rehearsed that you were going to say that line in that way in your bedroom when you were home alone because you thought that's the funny way to say this line. And it's just not, it just came out as like someone who's trying to be funny, but the thing wasn't funny. It's just like, look, Trust that the scene is funny. The dialogue is funny. You just have to now listen, really listen and really talk to the person that you're, you're in there with, because you don't know what they're throwing at you. 
You don't know how, you know, what, what they've got going on. Like you, and you're finding out what that thing is together. And that's, you know, for me, that's one of the beautiful things about acting, especially because most of the time you're interacting with another person. And when you're in the context of something like a film, you know, and then you got a director and that you got like, there's lots of things that you're and and people that you're interacting with and you've got to, you've got to be a part of that whole thing. And in many ways, all of you, when, when for me, it's, it's a really terrific and beautiful artistic partnership and endeavor that you're embarking on. You're all in that space of like, let's find out what's happening here. Like we've all kind of got maybe an idea of what this is, but there's a, there's a whole space of maybe there's something that all of us haven't seen yet, that none of us have thought of, that none of us have, have understood about what this scene is about, what this relationship is about. And by taking that leap of faith, of saying that like, hey, maybe maybe there's something else entirely going on here that none of us have thought about, that's where, that's the space where something magical can happen. I agree. I totally agree with that. There's a saying it's what you're trying to do in film is you're trying to capture lightning in a bottle, you know? Yeah. And the only way you can do it is, is to let the storm happen, you know, and just try to capture the storm. You know, if you're, if you're really, really doing it. And I, I do think that there is, and there are technical demands to filmmaking, you know, just from a, a, the point of view of lighting and, and, and having the technical gear and the crew and, you know, um, the, the freedom for the actress to perform while still actually being able to get the camera there to capture them and to try and do it within maybe a moving take, like moving the camera to try, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that's being coordinated. Right. And, there is a certain amount of, you know, where, where you have to kind of, I think we kind of go back to that thing. We, we talked about this with Misha back in uh, one of the podcasts earlier, but it's like this 80, 20 rule, you know, where Mm -hmm. you can do at best 80% planning, but then 20% just has to be risk and creativity. And like, you just kind of see what happens in the moment. And that's your best case scenario. And I think as you pointed out before we started this conversation, that might be a 50-50 <laughs> yeah. or it might even be a 20-80 where you get 20% planning, maybe 50% planning. And then the other bit is just, let's just see what happens. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, Evan, I didn't tell you this, but um, on the uh, this last week, I was in in a meeting, another film meeting, uh, finance finance meeting. And I was in a meeting where there was $400,000 raised for this film. Right. And it was, it was pretty interesting to just sit in the room and kind of like, you know, uh, watch the deal go down and the conversation and all of that. And something I'm learning as I'm kind of in these finance meetings and stuff like that for these big movies is like, you don't know how this is going to go. You don't know if the person who is the potential investor is going to invest or not going to invest. I mean, you have a good idea that they will. Um, and what was interesting about this particular one, and I won't tell you the movie and stuff yet, because it's all still, you know, in this development stage, but like this financer was like, yeah, and I'd like an acting partner. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, they were like, 
yeah, yeah, sure. If we can do that, we'll give you a few lines, you know, whatever. And then, like, great, awesome, blah, blah, blah. And there were some other things said and then whatever. So then they, you know, this financier is coming to be a part of the movie and blah, blah, blah. And afterwards I got to listen to the, the team be like, was he just, you want an acting part? <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. We're going to give him an acting part, but you know, whatever, like he's good. He's good for us. He's part of a lot of big things we're doing right now. So let's give him like eight lines. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's just funny. Right. Cause like people have all sorts of little needs and wants and stuff like that. And when you're, when you're deal making and stuff like this, you know, you're, um, there's, there's like this room for negotiation. And what I want to say is kind of this whole leap of faith part, right? That faith part that we're talking about, that risk part we're talking about in that arena, because it's not planned, there's room for play. There's room for special requests. Um, there's room for sometimes options that, that you don't necessarily go in there knowing exist. Now, I don't know about this financier. I don't know a lot about this person, but I know that they are part of a lot of big movies and things like that. And they wanted an acting part in this one and they were willing to put out some money, but that was something they wanted. And they didn't bring that up until the meeting. And you know what? They got what they wanted. <laughs> it's kind of like, and then the, 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 the producers who are behind it are kind of like, well, like, what if this guy's like no good? Like, what if he stinks? Right. Like, <laughs> like, what, what are we going to do? And so like, it's just interesting to me because it's like, you, you know, you, you, there's this whole area of territory, which is like really anything's possible. I think is my point, right? There's there's all sorts of room for possibility. So when you're sitting or thinking or, or or going about whatever you're about to do, and you're thinking about what what's possible and whatever, just understand that there's at least twenty percent that you don't even know that's possible, and you won't know it's possible until you get there, until you get into the room, until you get into the situation, and be excited for that twenty percent. Be excited for that room. That that you know. It, sometimes it will benefit you. Sometimes it might benefit someone else. Sometimes it'll make your life harder. Sometimes it'll make it easier, but there's this wonderful room of flexibility and creatively creativity, you know, that exists. And I think it exists in everything. I think that there is a, uh, you know, and that's sometimes art is in that 20%, but like you said, before we started this conversation, sometimes art is 80%. It's 80% unknown. And there's 20% planning that gets you there. And that's the best you could possibly ask for and do in certain situations. Um, I'm, I'm failing to think of an example at the moment, but you know, it's, yeah. it's one of those things, you know? Hey, it's Evan with a quick public service announcement. If you're enjoying the conversation you're hearing and finding it helpful, then please help us and take a second to subscribe to the podcast and we can all be people helping other people. And that's awesome. Now back to the show. Sports are a little bit like that. You know, sports are like 20% planning, 80%, you know, 80% let's see what happens on the field or on the rink or, you know, or the court or whatever. Right. Like it's, yeah, there's so much that's a, a variable in so many situations. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it, I, it's interesting. You bring, bring that up. Um, I want to come back to a thing cause it's something that, that came up for me as you were talking was this um, idea of perfectionism or, or, or being in a perfect place um, for it that I think really hinders us. 
Um, but I want to, I, and this is related, but I don't know if you've seen this, but I watched, I, I burned through that, uh, that series. Uh, what the hell was it called? I can't even remember what it's called now, but it was a, a, a new series that went up on Amazon like a couple of weeks ago where they followed the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, behind the scenes for their whole season last year uh, and everything that, that kind of goes on. And I was like, oh, like I'm a hockey fan. Is any good Canadian? Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm not a big Leafs fan, just so everyone knows out there. <laughs> but... I was fascinated. I was really interested in seeing, okay, well, like what, what does it look like, you know, behind the scenes of, of a hockey team, like the, the op, the daily operations and, and relationships and how that all works. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed it and seeing a lot of what happened, but like one of the things that, uh, that they show that was so interesting was like one of, one of the players got, uh, injured early in the season. And so as they were rehabbing to get ready, like they were doing everything like crazy things that like they're able to do for athletes and getting them like back into playing shape. But it's like, they can do absolutely everything like, like do like be on the ice and, and doing like drills and this and that, like, like pushing themselves as hard as they can in those ways. And, who I can't remember who it was, but they said like, the thing is, is that like you step out on and you play a game and they're like, and you're just like, you just feel like shit for those first couple of games playing because they're like, because there is nothing that you can do in training that gets you ready for what you have to do in a game. Hmm. Like, yes, all of this stuff helps you hone skills and helps you with a certain level of conditioning, but you're still just completely gassed in those first couple of games because you're like, I am not in playing shape yet. <laughs> like, because you just can't, there's no substitute for the real thing. When you actually have to step out there, when you're actually, as we're saying, taking that leap of faith, you're actually putting yourself out there. Uh, there's, there's no, there, there's no way that you can, you can simulate that. There's no way, like not completely, you know, you have to kind of just do it. And, that's such a wonderful thing because there's so much that you learn through that process. Like as a teacher, you know, like every single class that I teach with new students, you know, I'm going through stuff that I've taught so many times, but there are things that come up that, that I become aware of, or there are questions that are asked from my students. There are, and Every single time I learn a, 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 a better way to communicate something, I learn a new way to, to introduce some new skill or some new thing that, that, that helps just, that helps my students to, to just go deeper with the work or to understand more clearly what's happening, you know, and, and that's ongoing. And, and I'm always so excited when that stuff happens, you know, it's just like, I, I have my like little notepad. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's, that's important. That's mm -hmm. something that I can, I can take with me, uh, that I couldn't possibly plan for a lot of these things, you know, like, and, and, you know, I've got a pretty, I've got a pretty like, like really, you know, fleshed out 
curriculum that I teach, right? But like, there's still always these things that that I think that when it meets who you are as a person and your own sensibilities and intuitions and and stuff like that, there's there are things that become apparent to you and they become apparent to you uniquely. Um, and I don't know necessarily where I'm going with that, but what does this have to do with a leap of faith, Brandon? What does this have to do? Well, I think it's really just like, you have to, you have to do it. You have to get out there and you have to do it because it's going to show you things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to know otherwise. Yeah, I I hear that. I I think that with teaching, I think that our generation and the generations after us, and, you know, maybe some of our more um, advanced or progressive type of teachers, uh, you know, progressive isn't the right word, but like people who are just willing to kind of push the uh, regimented idea of what we're all learning and and what knowledge is and what wisdom is. Um, There is, it's kind of like that, you know, there's a certain percentage of that you're learning from the teaching and you're learning from your students. I find that I do this one class and I teach people how to write a screenplay. And it's such a fascinating class because every time I do it, it's different, but the same, but different because everybody, every single class I've ever ran, I've always learned something new from my students that I didn't know going into it. And it's interesting because they, I, I try to encourage every student to see that they are just as much the teacher as they are the student, because I, I look at it that way myself. I'm just as much a student with you guys, as much as I am, as kind of guiding you through this process. And like, I've built the, like the things I have that help them finish their scripts and do their stuff is like, I built the discipline, the practices, I face the fears. I have the practical ability on knowing how to overcome certain things, you know, um, uh, I package something together to get you to go through a process that's, you know, proven to be quite successful. Um, so I got those things I'm bringing in and I, and I, and I have some, uh, question sets and things like that, that I bring in, like, like, for example, like what's a story, what's theme, what's an idea, you know, I ask questions like this and get people to go, well, yeah, this is what I, this is what I'm like, well, what is it? What does it feel like? How do you experience it? You know, stuff like that. And as they go through that, they have a pretty inductive experience of these ideas, things that they were like, they're no longer just like what you were told the story is. They're more like, how do I experience a story? You know what I mean? And when, when someone tells me how they experience a story, I'm like, wow. Sometimes I'm like, that is so fascinating that you, that you see it that way. And now I am going to forever see it that way because you just opened up my mind to that. And I think part of creativity is kind of like that, you know, to kind of pair it back to this whole thing that you brought up is that every class you run or I run or anybody runs or anything we do, every script I write, there's always a new, at least 20% learning. It's this, as much as you think, you know, and None of the books prepare you for it. None of the teachers prepare you for it. It's just simply in the doing of it that you stumble into um, exploring it. And yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of, you know, when, what I hope people will kind of maybe start to gather from this conversation is that this leap of faith, this risk that we're talking about is fun, that it's not scary. It's, it's actually exciting. 
And when you stop being scared of it and you start seeing it as exciting and fun, you're going to be more willing to do it. Because I think that's actually just a total uh, deception that risk is actually intrinsically scary or dangerous is actually a total uh, more often than not is actually not the way to look at it. I think sometimes, sometimes it is scary and sometimes it is dangerous, but I'd say more often than not, it's actually not more often than not, it's actually fun and exciting. And I think if people began to look at the leap of faith as something fun and exciting, they would be less resistant to it and more willing to just embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because, you know, like, the only thing that that's scary about it is usually is because it threatens some idea or belief that we have, you know, sure. about, yeah. about life, about our lives and about who we are and blah, 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 and what we've been told and, you know, all of that kind of shit. It, it's, that's usually, I think what, what scares us out of it, but yeah, like it's, I think those, like those leaps of faith, um, when they're coming from a real genuine place, a real authentic place within us, like they, they never steer us wrong. And I mean, as we've been, been saying like they're like, if, if you want your work to go to the, to the next level, if you want to be, you know, uh, if you want to be a, a Da Vinci, if you want to be a, a Daniel Day Lewis, if you want to be uh, uh, a freaking Bonnie Vare or something like whatever, pick pick whatever like brilliant icon from whatever field it is for you. It's like, and that's a person who's made a bunch of leaps of faith. You know, like that. It's you have to do it. There's there's. Yes, there's an idea that goes into it. Yes, there's a, as we've talked about, there's a vision. There's a, there's a something out there. There's a, there's a calling to head out towards, but that like you, you're going to have to take a leap. You might have to take several leaps, uh, along, along the path there. But those things are, those things are, are the best are going to be the gold, you know, like those things are the are are the I mean I start to feel like a bit of a broken record sometimes with with some of the things we say but it's like that's the stuff that takes us into like out of what we know it takes us into the unknown it takes us into the unexplored territory and that's where where there are new things um for us to discover and and that's nothing to be that's nothing to be afraid of I think every time we get on this, this podcast and we talk, one of the things we're always trying to do is we're always trying to encourage people to venture into the unknown in some form or another. We're encouraging them to embrace these artist laws that we've talked about, like having trust and, you know, trusting the process and having a process and finding a process and keeping it simple and just try doing these things and see what happens. Right. And I think that, this is good because I think people, they need that. You know, I think a lot of people don't get that in their life. And not only, it's not that they don't get it always because people don't want to give it to them or because they're somehow restricted. It's just that people aren't talking about it. And so these conversations are a lot of like, well, let's talk about it. Let's put attention on it. Let's bring 
attention to this thing. Let's, let's, let's flesh it out. Let's work it out. You know, cause most of these fears and, and I'd say limitations or restrictions that we have, they're just simply uninvestigated. They're half baked fears. And if you went and you fully looked at this stuff, you would begin to realize that most, and I'm being gracious by saying most, because almost all of what you think is totally irrational, totally incorrect, and totally not in reality. And the reason why that is, is because you've lived so little. I don't care who you are. You have so little lived experience. Like even if you lived a 90 year old life, there's just, you only have your life from your perspective. And there are billions of people alive right now, along with all the other people who have passed and you don't have really an idea for sure about how they experienced it from their perspective. So there's this infinitely vast amount of experiential life knowledge that you just can only guess at and you can only try to wonder. And so like, for example, just to kind of throw it out there, right? Like, I don't know, Hulk Hogan, what's his life like? I mean, we saw him on TV. He was this wrestler. He was all American guy, right? But what was his life like? Now you could watch documentaries. You can hear him talk, but I'm telling you, you still don't know what it's like in his skull, looking through his eyes, doing his life. Now you can take anybody, Daniel Day-Lewis, anybody, I don't care who it is. You don't really know. You can only guess at what it's like from their perspective. And so there is this whole area of unknown and you're only going to get it by living it. You know, that's my point. So you got to risk living. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. you made me think of one of my favorite quotes from Keith Richards, <laughs> just like you ain't grown up until you're six feet in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good one. I love that. It's comforting in a bizarre way. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, totally. You know, there's just so much life to live. And if you open yourself up to it, I think that, you know, you, you, you there's so much more to do and explore. And I think that can be scary, but I think it can also be really, you can just look at it differently. You can look at it as exciting. Kids mm -hmm. look at it as exciting, right? Why do you look at it as scary? I mean, you've probably been hurt. You probably had some tough experiences in your life. And that's why you think, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to go through pain again and all of that. You know, kids don't have that when they're really young, right? They, if they've least kind of grown up in a healthy way with healthy environment, they, they're not scared of the world, right? They, in fact, they're almost, they need more understanding of the risks, right? That's kind of what parents and guardians and stuff do. But, um, you know, as, 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 as I think, as we become adults, you have to be your own parent and your own guardian, but don't parent yourself so much that you don't even let yourself try the things in life that you want to try. I mean, I just think that's, that's over parenting yeah. <laughs> and a shame. You know, what is occurring to me about this whole thing? Like, you know, this whole conversation, like, obviously it's all related, but, you know, taking leaps of faith and the unknown and, I, I think that part of that whole relationship is that a true leap of faith, when it's a true leap of faith, 
Um, because I think that as human beings, we can be really tricky and we can, we can convince ourselves of all kinds of shit that it's just like, eh, it's not really a leap of faith, you know, like it's just, you know, you're just taking a different tactic. Like a leap of faith has a certain quality to it. And I think that what we've been sort of touching on and dancing around here is, is somewhat part of what makes up that whole relationship and that whole formula which is that a true leap of faith, when you make it, there's an acceptance that you don't know what the outcome of it is, of what you're about to do. You've accepted that you don't know what, what's going to arise. It might work and it might not work. Um, and you've accepted it. I think that, that that's sort of like a couple of, of the, the signposts for when you're in the territory of making it a, a true leap of faith, because that was something that was kind of a question that as we've been having this conversation has been kind of coming up in my mind. It's like, well, how do we even know that we're making a leap of faith, like a, like a, a real leap of faith? Like what does it have any signs? Does it have any, any tells mm. to it? You know, and the thing is, is that those tells are, are always going to be personal right? Like that's something that ha comes down to every individual and your own awareness within yourself. I was like, okay, is this a thing where I'm doing this? Because the thing is like, when you've accepted that you're going to do something, not knowing the outcome, because that's one of the things that just, I think, plagues us. It plagues our creativity is that we want these controlled set outcomes, right? But by wanting and trying to force those guaranteed set outcomes, we, we inadv inadvertently place a limit on where we can go. Mm. You know, like it's, it's, we've, we've put a pretty hard ceiling on ourselves when, when we do that. So it's like we end up, it, it can be a, a form of sabotage when it creatively. Um, so it's in, in, wanting to have a certain outcome, having a certain expectation of how this needs to come out, how this has to, has to work out. And when you're making that leap of faith, in many ways, you're throwing that whole thing out the window because you're saying like, all right, look, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this, this is, is, is going to, to be successful or if this is going to completely <laughs> hit the ground burning. Hmm. Um, but there's a part of me that's willing to do it. And it's that part of you that's willing to do it. That, that has something there. There's some, I think there's some sort of intelligence within us. That's, that's working in there. Hmm. Um, that makes it, it's like, yeah, that's a leap of faith. That's a true leap of faith because otherwise if you know how it's going to work out, then it's, then you're not leaping into anything. You know, if it's a guaranteed, if it's a sure thing, then in some ways, who cares? <laughs> yeah. You know totally. what I mean? But for an artist, it's just like, that's that you don't want to live in that space of, of, well, then who cares? I, I, I don't think it's just for an artist, although I do think it's necessary for an artist. I yeah. think it's, 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 it's almost vital. Um, I, I think that there, there are people who are in the arts 
who aren't really artists. They're like technicians, you know, oh, yeah. they're like, uh, um, and I, mean, I would say there, there, that's probably, there's, there's probably a, a much larger percentage of technicians than there are artists in, yeah. in artistic fields across the board. Right. The majority of, of people are technicians. Yes. And I think there are people who are probably happy being technicians for the most part, but they still have some creative impulses that they would like to explore. Uh, mm -hmm. Some things that, that they like a little bit of adventure. Maybe they're not thirsting for a lot, but they, there's a little bit. And so there's always a little bit of room for this, for this talk that we're having. And then I think for those people that really want to explore their potential, they really want to see what's possible and they really want to, uh, they have big wild dreams that are something that is uncommon and unusual. And maybe they're not even dreams as much as they are. There's just a calling that there's something more to your life than whatever this is. This unknown is like essential. It's like, it is your golden goose. You know, it's your thing. Like you got to just be like, okay, every opportunity I have, you know, I'm going to try to push myself into this unknown, into this exploratory, into this, like, you know, you, 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 and, and the way you might do that, I, I would uh, say is like, you see a fear, you go towards it. Whereas most people would run from it. You go towards it. You do the opposite thing. And, and that's how, you start to break down this barrier of limited life, life living, you know, life experience living, right? Go towards the fear, go closer to it, you know, get as close as you possibly can, you know, see if you can bust through it, see if it's even as scary as it is, you know, and then if it is, you can always move away. Right. But, uh, you know, get a friend, get support, build a group, you know, build a, build a group of people that support each other. That's that y'all support each other, that y'all, you know, encourage each other to go for this stuff. Right. Um, but I always kind of lived under the, the, the model that where there's a will, there's a way. And I believe that a lot of people have the will. And if they would just embrace that, they would find a way. I also think that there are a good portion of people that don't have the will and it's not a slight against them. It's just that they don't, and they might want the will, and if you, if you want the will, you can get the will, but you've got to figure out not just like wanting it. You've got to figure out how to get past wanting it to actually having it. So my, my encouragement for those people who have the inkling, they have the spark, find a hobby, find an interest, find anything that you can go towards that, that you can learn about, that you're curious about, and just go down that road um, because that is, is in my experience, what I found for me was if I followed my interests, they, sometimes they were dead ends, but sometimes they led to my passions and I, I had to follow my interests and interests lead you to incredible willpower. If you, if, and you just got to find one, you find one, all of a sudden you're going to find you have all sorts of willpower, all sorts of interesting things inside of you. And you just open a floodgate of potential, right? But if you don't even want it, if, if you if you've given up on life, I mean that's your lot. Sorry, you chose it. I'm not sorry for you, but I think it's it's you know if you really have given up, you've given up. You know that's your choice. I'm not going to make you wrong for it. I think it's a shame. I'm not making you wrong, but I do think it's a shame because I think there's something in you. 
but you got to decide that there's something in you. You know, I could tell you that all day. I believe everybody has something in them. Uh, at least I, I like to think so. So, but you got to believe it because I'm living my life. You got to live yours. You know, that's kind of like the other part of it is like this. Um, sorry, Evan, I know I'm talking a lot, but I want to say this one last part, this one little caveat to this whole talk we're having is you got to do it. Yeah. Nobody's going to do this for you. This is on you. Your parents can't do it. Your teachers can't do it. Your, 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 nobody can do it for you. You have to be the one. It is you. You have to be the one that takes the risks. It has to be your skin in the game, not someone else's. It's the only way you get this access. You got to have your skin in the game. That means scuffing your knees and your elbows. And that means you getting the bumps and bruises. It's you. And you got to be in the arena. And unless you're in the arena, unless you're willing to enter the arena of life, this unknown, this daring, creative, challenging place, you just don't have access to that. It's just not for you. So I would implore everyone to find a way to get into the arena of life or at least want to get into the arena, you know? And, and, and sorry, one last thing, Evan. One of the ways, another one of those ways you can do that is instead of being jealous and envious of people who are in the arena when you're not, start to praise them. Go to the law of appreciation. Mm. The law of appreciation is one of the best access points to getting yourself in the arena. When you start to understand what it's like for the warrior who's facing the sword, so to speak, in this metaphor, when you start to understand the challenges of having the, the dirt and grime on your face of like, you know, to be marred, right? There's a whole poem about all of this, but it's like, when you start to relate, to understand, to get their struggle, to see what they went through, to empathize with them, to, to admire them, to, to try to see how they did it, to learn from them as opposed to being jealous or envious, that is a great access point because you can stand on the shoulders of them. They can help you. But if you're jealous and envious and petty and being weak about it, you are, you will always be an audience member to someone else living life. Mm. That's a good, good thing to bring into this, Brandon. Um, fired. <laughs> I could tell. Uh, so I'm drinking a beer. Yeah. I'm drinking a beer. I was a little bit nervous when I started because when I got this, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that could be, that could be pretty good. And then when I looked at it again, I just went like, oh no, because normally that doesn't, this doesn't work out well for me, but uh, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, I'm drinking a beer from Parallel 49 called Lost Souls. Lost Souls. It's a chocolate pumpkin porter. And when I first saw it, because of the label, the chocolate is kind of disappears into it a little bit. So I just saw pumpkin porter and I was like, Oh, that's that, that, that sounds, sounds pretty good. And then I was like, Oh, it's chalk. Normally when there's chocolate, when I see, ch when I, when there's chocolate in a beer, I'm normally like, uh, that was, uh, that wasn't so great. That wasn't so hot for me, <laughs> but, uh, this has actually been, been not, not too bad, not too bad. So hmm. there you go. Cool, man. Well, I, I get that. I get that. I, um, 
so I went to the, I, I picked up a beer today. I picked up a couple and it was between two and I almost put this one back. I pulled it out and I was looking at it and I was like, nah. And I went, I put it back and I was, went to put it back into the fridge. So I was doing singles and the woman running the store was like, Oh, that one's real good. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> I was like, really? I'm like, she's like, Oh yeah. She's like, I just had it and it's great. And actually the, um, it's Phillips who did this beer. It was supposed to be a one-off, but it's done so well and everybody's loved it that now they're actually going to make a bigger release of it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go with it. And you know what? She was right. It's pretty damn good. It's a porter or no, it's a stout. It's not a, it's not a porter. It's, it's a stout. It's Potato called a black, a black velvet stout. And it, the name is Eclipse and it's by uh, Phillips Brewing, which I've been kind of enjoying their brew, uh, their brews recently. Anyway, I, I'm not usually a huge fan of like super dark beers, but it's kind of cold and like, you know, I was like, let's try it out. Let's go with it. And it's, it's pretty good. It's very smooth and uh, I can see why people like it. You know, um, I don't know how I rate it on scale of stouts, but for somebody who's like usually leans away from the darker type of beers, the stouts and the porters generally, unless they're really creamy and smooth, I'd say this one's up there. It's, it's, it's good. It's top notch, Evan. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Phillips Phillips fan. They make a lot of really great stuff. I don't know if I've ever really had anything bad from them, to be honest with you. So the only thing I okay, I've been drinking their beer. I've been having a whole swack of like everything that they have, and uh, the only thing that I'm not I don't dislike it, but I don't love it. Yeah, and I'm, I just praised one of their other beers, and I praise all their other ones, but their lager <laughs> is not my favorite. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I find that like, like lagers are generally kind of a little bit boring, especially once you get into beer drinking. And um, yeah, I was like, ah, eh, I could take it or leave it, honestly. But right. yeah, but they have a lot of good stuff. Totally agree. So, for sure, the one that that always uh, I'm like you have to watch out for is their amnesiac. Their amnesiac double IPA. I don't know if you ever had that one, but oh my god, that one like you're you're feeling that one. You're like not even halfway through it, and you're just like, I'm a little tipsy right now. <laughs> it was it was aptly named amnesiac because I don't know what it is. Like I've drank because it's a strong beer. It's like eight and a half percent or something like that. But I've drank eight and a half percent beers that don't have the same effect on me as that one does. <laughs> like that one is just. There's something going on in there. There's some sort of mojo happening in that one that'll that'll make you feel it. Yeah, I have certain beers that are like that for me too. All right. Well, I'm gonna go first, Brandon, and then I'm gonna let you let you close this one out. Okay. Uh, I've enjoyed this uh, this conversation about uh, leaps of faith. I feel like it's um, it's an important thing. It's an important thing to remind ourselves of that we don't have control over a lot of things and that we never will and that uh in many ways those leaps of faith uh actually grant us access to what it is that we really want and what it is that we really need um and something that you said um before we took our little beer break there as well you know like i loved that you were talking about you know, you're, you're using this metaphor of, of to be in the arena, you know, if you want to be into the, be in the arena and, uh, 
you know, that is, that's, you know, when you enter in Reno, there's a price of admission, right? And the price of admission is, is this thing of this leap of faith, which is to willingly say that you're going to let go of your expectations of results of what's supposed to happen of, of, um, the price is to is you have to surrender control at some level um and that's for some people that that's a price that's too high that's a price that's too scary um but that is the price so <laughs> make no bones about it <laughs> that's that's the reality of the situation so maybe in understanding that that is the reality that is sort of what seems to be the thing that's an operation maybe that will help you to be a bit more bold a little bit more daring and to say okay you know what i will take that leap i understand what it is that i have to give up and that i have to let this go and that maybe those things that i'm letting go aren't quite as scary and as real as I think that they are, and that I don't have as much to lose as I think I do. Well said. Well, well said. Yeah, this whole idea of control. I mean, we didn't even really talk about that very much, but it's how true it is. I think the only way you're going to be able to control your world is by keeping it small. And uh, going into the arena is about expanding your world beyond what is known it's going and making it into the unknown and anything in the unknown is, is really not controlled. I would say that when you enter the unknown, enter with optimism, you know, it's okay to have hope. It's okay to have positivity. You don't have to be pessimistic or negative about it. I think it's, you know, go into the game of life, believing you can win. You know, that's what I would say is you might not, but like try, you know, and uh, something I teach in my filmmaking class and, or, and my screenwriting class, which I'll maybe share with everyone today, is that there's always a climax in a movie or a story, right? Especially in traditional Western, you know, culture movies, right? So there's this climatic moment, the peak moment of the story it usually happens right, right near the end. Sometimes it is the end, but it's right there. And it's what everything has been leading up to. And right before you usually reach in, in a very good film or a good story, usually the character, the protagonist or the main character that we're following the narrative of, usually they go through their lowest low some type, sometime before that. And part of the reason why that is from a story point of view is because you're, you're trying to enhance the, the range as much as possible. You're trying to make it as emotionally as impactful as possible. But I have found that this is not unlike life, that that moment when you think you're defeated, when you think hope is lost, when you think there's nothing left, there's this thing, and I, I put it into my course, and I call it, and I've, I've heard of it called many other things, but I, I call it the hand of God. It's this moment where you have to trust that when you think all is lost, that as if God was there or just the universe or just divine fortune of your life, that a step will appear. 
just enough to get you out of the muck, just enough to give you an edge to climb. And you always want to be looking for that edge. You know, when you think you're down and out and you face your lowest fear or you're your most depressed is I can tell you because I fucking survived it. And I don't know how to explain how hard it was to walk through that valley. But I believe this and I am living proof that it does exist because you can see me here today and I am here today. And so I always try to remind people that all you need is a step, all you need is an edge. And then when you climb, there will be a climax of your life that comes after that. Because once you find that kind of character, you can do just about anything. And if you are willing to climb to the climax of your life, not to win or lose, but just to show up, you've lived. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.